Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Doe's Knows. This episode is being brought to you in part by our friends at Maverick Sport Fishing. Hurley, Oakley, GoPro, Mokalele Airlines, Kona Boys, Kona Coffee and Tea, Ultimate Predator Gear, Deuce Gym, and Original Nutritionals. Now, this is a special time for one of our sponsors. They've came out with their new flavors, and that's Green Organic Energy Drink. And um, you can find them at drinkgreenenergy.com, where you can see the special deal that's going on. And uh, at checkout, just hit Dozer 3, and you can try all three flavors, which is the original, which is uh, coconut juice, kale, and green tea or uh, the new pineapple flavor, or the new guava flavor. So go check them out, drinkgreenenergy.com. Hit promo code DOZER3 and get a three-can trial for free. All you got to pay is the USPS shipping, and uh, which is like four bucks. It's super easy, and you're going to love these things. They're going to get you going throughout the day. Um, don't forget, you guys can find me on all social media, uh, such as Dozer Dave on Facebook and uh, Dozer Knows Podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, that was uh, Dozer Dave on Instagram, Dozer Knows Podcast on Instagram as well, uh, Dozer Dave Barnett on Facebook, and Dozer uh, Knows on Facebook. There's so many of them. And uh, Dozer, whatever it is, you know, Twitter, you guys know where I'm at. You know, and uh, www.doznose.com, where you can see a more in-depth look at our guests and and also links to our sponsors with all the good deals that they have. Yeah, it's been a great week. Uh, we've been cruising around. I just got to L.A. and was able to get over here for the Ohana Festival, where I was able to see Eddie Vedder and Jack Johnson, everybody get up on stage and play. It was a blast, I got to tell you. Um, and then straight from there, we went over to the Hurley Comp, and uh, it's been rocking over there. The last couple of days, the surf's been pumping, been hanging out with all the boys. Got to go to a little uh, art show with Kelly Slater and Todd Glazer and Bruce Reynolds. I tell you what, man, if you haven't seen their art, go check it out and buy some for your wall. You're going to love it. It's awesome. Um, in the meantime, I got to hang out with one of my friends, uh, Mark Arico, a.k.a. Bugs. And we got to sit down and talk story this morning. He is um, one of the most avid surfboard collectors on the planet. And he also owns an incredible surf resort down in Mexico Mexico called Punta Canejo. So if you, if you haven't been down there, it's in the uh, Oaxaca zone and uh, Salinas Cruz area where all those mean point breaks are. Um, but yeah, we got to sit down, talk story, and uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this show. So, Bugs, welcome to the show. Everybody knows. 
Bugs, welcome to the show. <laughs> We're sitting here talking Shit. garage sales right now. <laughs> yeah, state fines. Yeah, that's right. But it is fun, I dude. Love, well, it's American Pickers, you know. Yeah. I love that. Well, like you were saying, it's one of those things that's insulting when somebody walks up to you and you're doing a garage sale and you bought this thing for like 1500 bucks and they're like, yeah, 25 cents. Yeah, no. Yeah. Take a hike. <laughs> I got a lot it. of stories in garage sales, but yeah. I mean, you never, you never know. It's that old saying when it comes to garage sales, especially when you're having one. It's, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasures. Yeah. You know, I've sold dirty underwear, skidded toilet seats. Have you really? Oh, yeah. People eat that <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, especially the Chinese. Not to be, you know, I'm not biased or anything or racist or anything. But no, it is the amazing. Chinese I've like seen... buying used toilet seats. I don't know why. I, it's amazing because I have also sold and seen used underwear, men and women's. Yeah. And people buy them. Yeah. It's like, okay, what, are they going to go in a vending machine in Japan or something? Maybe they're just more, you know, broken in and just nice, more smooth maybe to the, <laughs> the pump base. I don't know. Rem something remnant about, something about being used, right? Some people like that. Right. Yeah, but, I, I, I'm, I don't know if I can go for that. i got to have freshies. True, true that. I would never buy... Someone else's used socks, especially. I might wear my girlfriend's underwear. Just yeah, kidding. that's that's a whole other category. I'm gonna to get a girlfriend about. first, man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, how you been, man? I'm hanging in there. You know, it's been an interesting year. Yeah, 2017. Well, why don't you yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself for all the people out there that don't know you? Um, you know, the way I know you as um, I was introduced to you. Oh my God! A few years was, back, yeah, it was from it, Bob Hurley, right? And uh, yeah. Bob's like, "You're those are you're gonna love this guy, Bugs," and he was right. And uh, we've been good friends ever since. We've traveled and uh, yeah, and we're you know we're having we're doing this podcast right in your backyard. And might I say, you have a killer house, dude. We're sitting out here by the pool in the jacuzzi. Got your dog Playa laying on the on the ground here, girlfriend. sunning herself. Yeah, girlfriend and security. Um, this beautiful retro style home, and what is it retro from? Like the fifties? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I basically bought this a couple of years ago. The fifties house. It was grandma's house. It was, I think, she was the first or second owner, and she lived here for many years, and then. Um, Really didn't do anything to the house. Kept it in really pristine condition with like the original appliances and doorknobs to, you know, mm -hmm. all the, you know, cute characteristics of the 50s. And uh, so, yeah, I came in and bought it and just tried to keep it, you know, the same feel and vibe, but just with a little modernization of, you know, paint and a few things, this and that. And yeah, it's a transition house. It's, it's, a, it's a cool spot. I, I enjoy coming home to it and just hanging out and chilling out in the jacuzzi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's definitely nice, man. I, I definitely love hanging out here. And the last time I was here, we got to barbecue with a few friends and it was a lot of yeah. fun. Tranquilo. <laughs> Trink. Yeah. I can even but, say that. Um, yeah, I know. It does. It's been a couple of years since, well, shit, the Tavi trip. Well, that was what? Four years ago? Three yeah. years? Yeah. I think four. Fucking time flies. It flies fast. Especially, it seems like as you get older, it goes faster. Mm -hmm. 
But um, and we're right around the same age, right? Yeah, what, twenty nine now. You yeah. just turned. You just I turned twenty eight. I'm twenty nine. Thirty thirty for me. Thirty. Yeah, so yeah. we're getting into our midlife crisis situation. Well, thirty yeah. somethings, but we're still going strong. You know, a little gray hair that we, we're we're <laughs> uh, distinguished with the gray. Right. I think that's kind of the uh, hip thing, anyway. These days. Yeah. You know, you got George Clooney. And Brad Pitt just out there pumping it out there to everybody. So, you know, I know you kind of resemble George Clooney. And I've been called yeah. the Hawaiian Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> and I told that to Bob early uh, yesterday. And uh, he's uh, like, no, 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 you're way better looking. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks, Bob. Yeah, it's, I don't mind growing old. I mean, you know, it's, we're still very young at, and, and you know, and heart, you know, right. But um, a little bit about the bugs. Well, How'd you get the name bugs? Yeah, that dates back to nineteen seventy eight, seventy nine. Really? At uh, Dewey Weber Surf Shop there in Hermosa Beach. Um, <clears throat> you know, Hermosa back in the seventies used to be kind of surf city, kind of mm-hmm. like what Huntington is today. You know. Back in the 60s and early 70s, you know, Greg Knoll, uh, Jacobs, Unity. Um, uh, well, the whole of, Jacobs clan is actually in Kona on the Big Island now. They are. Yeah, yeah well, Hapsdale is here locally in Palos Verdes. But, um, Kent and Mike are yeah. still building boards on the Big Island. Yeah, nice. So, you know, back then, you know, Surf City and uh, Hermosa Beach, you know, I, um, my dad lived in Hermosa and I used to always go down there on the weekends and surf and hang out at Doc's house. That's where, you know, Mike Purpose, mm-hmm. um, was basically based. And, uh, when the pros came into town, like Shane and even Rabbit and Bertleman and all them, they would, you know, come down and hang out at Doc's house. So I was always hanging out down there and, and then, um, in all the surf shops and I used to ride for ET surfboards. And so, again, like uh, Dewey Shop and Unity, Rick, uh, Jacobs used to be all there on PCH within walking distance. And so as a Grom, you know, I'd always skate to all the shops, check right. in, see what's up, check out all the new boards and, and, and tinker and say hello. And, of course, a lot of local surf, you know, uh, the community obviously worked at the shops. So mm. my elders, I should say. Right. So... You know, I'd always go into all the shops and quote, you know, bug people, you know, all the help. Right. And so um, at Dewey's shop, you know, they, uh, a couple of guys I used to surf with down there in Hermosa, they, you know, they just, I used to just bug them all the time. You know, I'd come in, oh, bugs again, damn it. You know, you're just bugging us. We're just going to call you bugs. So I'm like, oh, cool. Because at that time, you know, Rabbit Bartholomew was my kind of surf idol. Uh Uh-huh. So, um, at that point it just stuck, you know, everyone started calling me bugs. It's, it's kind of ironic that this, um, whole surf scene is down in the South Bay area and it's really not the greatest waves on the planet, you know? Yeah. Isn't that funny? It was just, yeah. Well, back in the day, the beaches in Hermosa and that used to be a lot better than than it is today. Today it's more of a straight beach and just closeouts, but, um, yeah, that, you know, how and why those, like Greg Knoll and all them, there was like a little industrial town, you know, a part of Hermosa mm-hmm. where they used to, you know, build their boards and shape and do all that there. And I think they just, um, you know, in the wintertime and stuff, the waves were good here locally in PV and 
and, and close to Malibu, I guess, and, mm-hmm. you know, and all that. So, yeah, obviously that's shifted gears once the, you know, the 80s came in and things were going more south. And, you know, right. Huntington's always been, obviously, surf city, but, yeah. But that's not uh, the greatest wave in the world either. Huntington, the Huntington Hop. Yeah, it's fun down there, fall. Yeah. You know, combo swells. Yeah. Um, you know, there's usually you can get a surf in there every, you know, every day somehow. Especially when the Santa Ana's are blown. Yes. Fall, you know, fall and spring are good with the combo Northwest, West and South swells. But yeah, that's how the bug kind of got the bug name and, you know, always a surf enthusiast since I was young, you know, competing, you know, amateurly and, I won the world junior champ in Oceanside. Fuck, I forget what year that was. But And then uh, NSSA competed. And then, you know, I went into, there really wasn't much of a career opportunities really, you know, in the 70s, you know, being trying to go professional surfing. You know, there wasn't a lot of money into it, as right. we all know. And um, unless you're like a Tom Curran or, 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 you know, one of the top sure. athletes. But, so I decided to go to college and went to USC and, and you know, went to SC and then graduated in uh, business finance, uh-huh. of all things, which I met a lot of good people um, at SC. You know, back in the day um, when I was going to SC, like uh, uh, Petey Johnson, Jack's brother was yeah. going there. Love Petey. Uh, Steve Zeldin, you know, Zeldini, uh-huh. you know, there and uh, a few other people and that that's where i met Petey and, and zelda was at sc and we were all on the usc surf team huh. and uh, i was the surf team captain for two years and uh-huh. so we all you know being doing the collegiate nssa thing you know we we had a blast you know was competing and and um you know it, it was um it was a fun time that was the 80s you know that was which was cool was, oh yeah you know, um, God, what years was it? Yeah, 80, 83 to 88 or 84. You know? What what year did you graduate? 88 from SC. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we were prime in the 80s, you know, with, um, uh, you know, as far as that whole era to the surf team and, and really uh, we, had, we had some killer sponsors back then, Quicksilver, Bob McKnight, who's mm-hmm. an SC alumni. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's a track top, you know, and, uh, Bole sunglasses, Tim Pony surfboards, as you know, now is in Maui. Yeah. He was a big, uh, Huntington, uh, transplant. Didn't you know that. Tim Pony. Yeah, yeah. He was there for years. Yeah. And then he finally was fed up with it, moved to Maui. Yeah. He got, I think he got divorced and then moved to Maui. But, um, yeah. So, um, you know, graduated college in 88 and got into real estate. Yeah. You know, I really wanted to be, you know, I was going to go into be a stockbroker, but that didn't really fit my lifestyle of, you know, my passion of surfing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or, you know, going in the office at 4.30 in the morning and, you know, during, you know, prime time, surf time, you know, and, and then... Uh, and then pounding the phones in the evening. But so I decided yeah. he had to go the real estate avenue, which is more, <clears throat> more control of your own hours. Sure. And, uh, and so that's kind of the direction you I went. You can always which, squeeze in a surf in between showing houses. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah so, so knock on wood, that, that's, that's been good to me. And that's what really gave me that disposable kind of income mm-hmm. 
to you know get into the surfboard collective space you know yeah, and, and, and that's what i'm excited about because <laughs> when i first walked yeah. into your house you know you have all these beautiful boards that are hanging from the ceilings on the walls as art that are just obviously old classic boards but then you walked me into your garage and that's just a small part of what you got going on and that's when i realized what a collector you were and it's it's pretty amazing dude if anybody walks in here they're just like oh my god now we're not going to say where you live just for that reason <laughs> but it's it's pretty amazing or it's hoarding one of the two but uh, you're hoarding i, I don't thing. consider myself a hoarder but you know it's you know, collecting, whether you're collecting surfboards or ashtrays or, or toenails. skateboards or whatever it is, I think it's just, <laughs> you know, a lot of that goes back to people who think childhoods, you know, when they were growing up as youth and what really inspired them. And, 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 and obviously surfing has been my passion since I was a kid. And uh, growing up during that, kind of shortboard evolution period of you know 70s going into the 80s you know the from, right. you know things going long to short and the trifins you know that was a you know a great time to be growing up mm -hmm. you know especially um and so that's you know what as far as you know i like collecting is the primarily the 70s mm -hmm. um single fins and twin fins and you know, I have some cool 80s what stuff What made you as well. get into it? How did, how did it just kind of well, progress? You know, was it just your own boards and then just like, oh, my God, hey, there's Shane Haran's board right there. I want that thing. It's, yeah. It's, there's Mark Richards' Yeah, what, what clicked, right? What clicked? That's funny. Uh, so a friend of mine had a few boards, you know, like five boards that he collected. And then another co-realtor of mine had a few boards that he was selling and one of them was like a, a Tom Curran mm -hmm. uh, Channel Islands OP trifin that owl shaped Tom and I think that was my first board uh, that kind of started it you know when I when I do you still this. have it unfortunately I know because and I, I should and I kind of regret uh, selling it but uh, but I upgraded to some other boards mm -hmm. um, um, that I feel have a little more provenance that are Tom's boards. Um, so, um, but yeah, that, that just, <clears throat> you know, the whole preserving what was, mm -hmm. preserving, uh, preserving what, you know, surf culture was as far as, again, that shortboard evolution period and, and preserving our, our culture and history. Yeah. As far as what we ride, um, really interests me, and, and especially you know Providence type of surfboards, and and again I lo I look at not only the you know what tickles me, and not only the Providence, but like you said earlier, the the artistic side mm -hmm. of the crafts that we rode or ride. In that back in the day, I don't know if you remember this, but like you, you go to build a board right you the first thing you would do is what in, in the shop you would what pull out the fin right. off the shell and uh, usually it's a rainbow fin mm -hmm. with all the nice 
colored layers, right? And then you would build that board around that fin. And, you know, it was cool too back then. Obviously, you could watch your board being built, mm-hmm. you know, which is today is like unheard of. Right. So they didn't have and, templates back then. Well, they did. They they had templates. But the 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 art, really I call it the art, of building boards back in the 70s, like I said, it was an art. It, uh-huh. You know, it, today it's just about manufacturing. Mass production. Mass production. Back then it was... You know, what was cool about surfing in the 70s? Style. Exactly. It was all about style. So a lot of the boards being built were, you know, those guys took time, you know, all the resin pin lines, Mm. you know, all the resin work on boards. You know, people don't realize, you know, the time it took back then to build a board, Mm. you know. And um, um, so, you know, it was a lot more artistic, you know, right. and um, it's just a phone. Just a phone. You're okay. Yeah. So it's, it's the house phone. Yeah, it's, it's the it's, retro one. Well, it's the it orange is, one. That's the that's the hotline. <laughs> yeah, something hot could be on the other line. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it, that's um, yeah, there was an art to it you know, back then. And, and, you know, it's coming around full circle a little bit now with a lot of these mm-hmm. retro guys like, you know, Tyler Warren, Harrison Roach and, and, uh, 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 Ryan Birch and all these guys who are kind of going back to what was and, and getting into more of the colors and the art and the pen, resin pin lines and, mm-hmm. and, um, which are cool, you know, but <clears throat> so, What's really cool is watching, you know, some of these pro surfers that still keep it alive. Mm-hmm. You've got guys like Rob Machado, obviously, and mm-hmm. and uh, Dave Rostovich and stuff. And, you know, they love riding the single fins. They love even going back to the twin fins. And now you have this Masters uh, contest in the Maldives mm-hmm. where these guys go out and they, they have to ride a single mm-hmm. fin for a heat. Yeah. You know, and... Yeah. Um, they have to ride a twin fin, you know, they have to ride a quad. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think they I think the WSL should take note of that. And I know like at the J Bay event they they were handed out those twenties, mm-hmm. the the keel fishes. Yeah. And had like an expression session on alternative equipment. Right. I would love to see a bonzer heat. Yeah, I I really feel that if you're an all around I mean, if you're a good surfer, to be considered a, a good surfer, you should be able to ride anything. Right. Whether it's a, a, a door off your house or... Which we've know, seen right? before. <laughs> or, you know, a 20 or I single. Think, and, I think the know, master yeah. Kelly wrote a door. Rob yeah. and Kelly and all the boys. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... Because you'd be surprised. You take a lot of these CTQS guys off their tuned in trifin equipment and put them on something that's they're not used to that's totally mm-hmm. foreign to them and they're just bogging right not everybody but there's obviously a lot of people that are natural and, and can ride anything but again i think if you know to be an overall rounded good surfer you should be able to ride and should ride anything, anything, and, everything. anything and everything from a longboard to a soft top to you know like look at you know what's interesting recently too is you look at like you know, Jamie O'Brien. Mr. Jamie John. O'Brien and Kalani Rob. You know, they're those catch surfs. Yeah, he's really getting into especially 
uh, Jamie's really getting into alternative and the collective world now. He's been collecting some mm. 80s boards and single fins and and uh, in in riding them, wow. which which is really cool, and especially in you know pipe and and Hawaiian. Um, I think what really opened his eyes to that was when he you know started to ride the the soft tops and the those funky you know soft top things you know yeah. so now he's expanding his world and, and getting into what was uh-huh. which i think is really cool and um you know and, and like even like you said like rob and and you know rob's building his own boards and he came out with what the go fish and which i you know picked up hey thanks rob for the uh, discount there buddy <laughs> but <laughs> but you know he uh, uh the go fish is, is it's it's a great board that um um you know, can ride in, you know, two feet to, you know, to, to five feet, you know, sure. that holds its, its rail, but, um, yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. So, um, you started this collection, um, how fast did it get big? Cause you got a lot. Well, is it you know, just as, something as, that, a, as, as a, a passion, you were just like, oh my God, I want that one. I want that yeah, one. Yeah. Well, again, it's, one. it's, you know, it, it took some money, I guess, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, you're doing pretty good on the real estate. Yeah. Back back when I started collecting, obviously, you know, money wasn't really an issue. And being any type of young or beginning collector, regardless of your space that you're collecting in, there's always there's a learning curve. You know, you're out there just trying to buy everything and every you know anything and. And then, you know, you, you buy things that you shouldn't have bought and, mm-hmm. and that you or you paid too much for, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, in, in the surfboard collective space, it's pretty small space. You know, there's only a pretty small group of, 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 uh, collectors. collectors. When I say collectors, people that are, have over a hundred boards, sure. you know, like Fernando, uh, Palmer Day. Yeah. Um, you know, Randy like, Rarick. Well, Randy, he's not really much of a, I love Randy. He's not really much of a collector as he is more of a salesman, you know, and, and uh, setting up shows like, uh, well, yeah, when I say salesman, he's, um, how should I say, um, salesman, maybe is the wrong word, but he's, he's a, He's a primo restorian, if you mm-hmm. want to. Right. <laughs> historian, but re- restore, restorian, I call it. Right. Um, and Which we he need finds, those as well, too. Yeah, you know, and he finds a lot of good boards, especially in Hawaii, you know, with the network he has. And um, uh, he's like a, a surfboard broker right. to a lot of collectors. Right. Uh, that's what I was trying to get at. And. Um, you know, Randy, obviously, as we all know, has is, is, is done a lot to the sport of surfing mm-hmm. uh, with the Triple Crown and all that on the North Shore. And a lot of, a lot of respect and, and, and big ups for Randy. And um, he's, he's brokered a quite a few, well, a few boards in my collection. And, um, and he's, you know, he's screwed me out of a few good leads too. <laughs> but, <laughs> of course. But that's, that's Randy. Of, you know? Yeah, that's part of the deal, man. <laughs> but that's, uh, but I, like I said, Randy's, you know, I love Randy. And uh, he's, like I said, he's done a lot to the sport of surfing, I believe, overall, in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so. Who are some of the other big collectors out there? 
And I'm sure well, a lot of your boards have bounced between the group of you collectors, right? Yeah, you know, trading. You know, I right. like I, you know, it, at this point in my collection, I really have been more or less fine tuning it over the last few years. Uh-huh. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, maybe trading, you know, or up, you know, selling a couple and upgrading into, you know, some more quality pieces because I like having museum type quality right. boards in my collection and you know um, I really don't like having a bunch of yellowed beaters around you know yeah. um, it, it almost sounds like um, the whole surfboard collection industry is 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 almost just like uh, baseball cards yeah so you know, similar you, collect, you trade you upgrade you know sometimes you got to buy some um, stuff like yeah. that so the nice thing about baseball cards, though, you can all put them in a small box under your bed. <laughs> <Right. laughs> you have to buy warehouses here. Yeah, surfboards. <laughs> it's you know he got a lot of this old saying, a lot of excess baggage. Sure. You know, and um, you know, my dream was to have a creative, curative space to mm. display my collection and to, to primarily you know being able to surround myself with it one but two to inspire others and to come in and enjoy it and to be like I said be inspired um, now when you when, so, you when you buy a board do you go try it out first before you hang it up I have what's called a rider pile is. you know a rider pile that the boards that really took me to you know I want to ride right and it seems like that pile has gotten bigger and bigger <laughs> i've written all of them but and then there's obviously the collective pile which in the art side the pile that i don't want to ride you know just because right. it's more of an art piece and show piece mm-hmm. or provenance piece that you know um but i would say majority of my stuff i'd love to ride even though majority of it i haven't written yet but um but I, I do enjoy riding alternative equipment, especially, and I think with, with anybody, and you know, knowing someone like the CT guys, like mm-hmm. Freestone and Seabass, you know, we recently did a trip down to Mexico, and we did kind of like an expression session where these guys, you know, chose like six or eight boards out of my collection down there, and... Um, to go test and ride them, you know, right. and, uh, which was really fun and, and eye opening for them and opening their minds and, and like, wow, you know, I want to get one of those. I want to, you know, and, um, I like, love the like, way this feels. I, maybe I, I can incorporate this off of this old school board into one of my new boards. Yeah. Something yeah, like or, that. You know, and, and if anything, just to have that little alternative board in your bag, to have fun with, mm. meaning like anytime I go travel overseas surfing, I always put in a vintage board in there to right. ride, whether it's a twin fin, single fin, mm-hmm. finless, uh, just to mix it up because sure. it just makes it much more funner, you know, when you're abroad and, 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 and you know, and like Jack really loved the Derek Hine finless um, and uh, I think Seabass really loved the MR20. Mm-hmm. you know so it, it's um, yeah it's cool to see those guys light up um, riding you know getting them out of the norm out of the box right 
And um, I remember about 10 years ago, um, I flew to California and um, Kelly was on tour somewhere and he let me use his truck. And I was like, hey, Kelly, can you leave a board in the back of the truck for me so I can uh, ride? And he left me this little tiny MR20 that was originally MR's. And, uh, dude, I had so much fun on that board. I wanted to keep it, but I had to give it back. And I think it was out of the collection of his own personal. Mm-hmm. But, God, you know, it, it was just something that I had never ridden before, mm-hmm. that style. And uh, it was so I much if he's still nice and, it. I don't know. Maybe. It was, was that in Hawaii? No, it was here in California. Oh. And um, l- when I was done with it, I was done with a truck. Um, his personal assistant was just like, hey, uh, meet me over here, and I need to take that board back. You know, got to put it back in what the What is that what board? What are you talking about? Uh, what board? I, I have no clue. <laughs> You're talking about Kelly. I recently sold him a collector piece. He's, uh-huh. You know, Kelly's even, you know, getting, I think, back into collecting special boards. Well, I think he has all along, as, but, you know... Um, but recently he picked up a, a nice Pat Curran gun um, that Tom wanted him to have. And um, there's a whole story behind that board, but it'll probably be too long to, to tell here. But uh, at any rate, he, he plans on bringing it to Hawaii and um, having Tom with- and himself ride it. Oh, cool. And then have... Um, um, what's his name? Paint all over it. Um, Kevin Ansel. Kevin, yeah. yeah. Which I said, no, don't do that. I mean, I love Kevin, but you're just going to take away the original, you know, uh, you know, vibe of that board, you right? Know, by covering it with orchids or whatever you may do. Sure. Keep it. Keep or it, orcas. Yeah, orcas. Yeah, but. Yeah, I think you should. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it's. I think you know whether you have five boards or you know fifty boards or a hundred boards. I think as a surf enthusiast, I think most core surfers have a collection. Sure, what I mean, you know, whether it's four boards or fifty boards, you know. But I think again, for a lot of people, it's they don't have the disposable income mm-hmm. or there's people that, that don't have disposable income, but they're out there uh, pounding the pavement and garage sales, swap meets. Have you found anything really good like at swap meets and garage sales? Cause a lot of um, people have some really great boards that just sit under yeah, the house it, for a long time. They're out there and, and you just got to, you know, pound the pavement and find them. Uh-huh. You know, I, I think I've had a couple in my day, but I just, you know, I just don't have the time to be, Spending all my weekends driving around garage sales and right. and that and, and most of those stuff that I've collected over the years is a lot of word of mouth, mm-hmm. people knowing that you know I'm in the collective space and hey call this guy call bugs right um, that's probably you know and then obviously some of the surf auctions and um, stuff like that and eBay and Craigslist and. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the ones that are, you know, I think more special, the ones like your word of mouth or, you know, and, and, um, 
um, you know, finding stuff that no one else has seen mm-hmm. or has, has been displayed, you know. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's... Well, we've had, I, I got to tell you, we've had fun. How, well, before we get to the have fun part, the big question, how many boards do you think are in your collection? I'm sure you know exactly. Well, I used to keep track, like a little spreadsheet and all that, uh-huh. and then it just kind of kind of got out of hand and I, I lost track. But, you know, and I've thinned a few things out. You know, I call them like tier one, tier two, tier three, uh-huh. you know, as far as quality and stuff and i've i've thinned some of my tier one boards and trying to thin out the herd i'd like to you know at some point just get down to the top 100 you know Uh but if i were to say maybe you know at this point i don't know 300 nice you know of that which you know 90 percent are you know quality Uh you know they're not beaters or anything you know they're um you know there's a few maybe beaters that i have with providence like johnny boy um shootout winning boards at pipe right with his trophy i have you know that is like a set any iconic ymea bay boards from like a winner of a ymea bay any yeah um, mr's winning smirnoff okay. parish bull um you know talking about hawaiian stuff obviously Larry Bertelman's winning Duke, Ipa mm-hmm. Gun, Sean Thompson's um, Parish mm-hmm. Bolt that he wrote at Waimea, um, Mark Foo's Waimea, Eddie Board, Bobby Owens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some pretty else? classics. Yeah, I, know, I know you got Shane's, Shane Dorian's yeah. first board he ever shaped. Yeah, Big Red. With, with the yeah, help was, of uh, a lot of amazing shapers. Yeah, that was cool. We did a little, I had this vision of doing what's called like the uh, story behind the board. Uh-huh. And so I wanted to kind of document, you know, the, the building of a of a, a, a surfboard from, you know, from scratch to finish, right? From right. beginning to end. And... So originally it was supposed to be with Machado, mm-hmm. but Rob did a no show. So Shane happened to be right there. Yeah, and so I got Shane to step in, which was really cool of, of Shane and, and JC. And so what we did was we were obviously in the North Shore, and um, God, I forget what year that was. Probably six, seven years ago. Uh-huh. But so. Um, I had a friend of mine document it all. Anyway, we started out at uh, at, at Dick Brewer's Shaping Day. There up in uh, God, where was he up there? He's still up there. Wailua. Yeah, yeah. Over by JC's place. Yeah, well, JC's at the Sugar Mill, right? And then Brewer's up on the hill. Up in Pupikea. Yeah, Pupikea. Yeah. So yeah, we we pulled in there and. And and Dick, you know Dick's classic, obviously, and uh, so he pulled out an old. It was up to Dick, right? What the the, the shape kind of? And I, it's well, always, it, it's it, always up to Dick. Yeah, it's always up to Dick. So <laughs> he pulled out an old Al Chapman Chapman uh, pintail, uh-huh. kind of minigun. So Dick, you know, cut out 
the, the template. Uh-huh. So we, you know, documented all that with the narratives and all the, you know, with him. And then from there, I'm having so many dick jokes right now. I'm thinking about <laughs> right now. <laughs> dick pulled out. It's up to Dick. <laughs> dick knows. Dick knows. <laughs> I thought does knows, but no, the dick knows. Dick knows. <laughs> Do you remember that movie uh, with... Uh, well, that's why we called it Big Red. You know, it's part of Dick. He wanted to- <laughs> Do you remember that movie with... What's his name from the Blues Brothers? Uh, not John Belushi, but um, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. He was in that movie with Demi Moore and Chevy Chase. And yeah. uh, his nose in every scene resembled more of a dick. Wow. Every single time. By the end of the movie, he had this huge honking dick nose. Damn. It was one of the best movies ever. It was just laugh my asses off but you know I'll have to check that out back to dig brewer and back his dig nose yeah so we took the template we just cut out template um uh pintail we took it from there from dick's place uh-huh. and, <laughs> and brought it down to the sugar mill down to jc's spot and uh there is where shane and, and jay you know worked alongside with jc mm-hmm. and planed it you know and jc was uh, showing uh, Shane how to use a planer and, and all that, which was really cool. And we, you know, we documented the, the whole thing. And so they planned it out and started working on the rails and, you know, um, you know, contours, you know, the, the uh, you know, the bottoms, the V's and all that stuff. And so it was basically 80%, maybe 70% complete. And from there, we took the board, uh, the blank, uh, uh-huh. down to Randy's house um, at Sunset. Uh-huh. And that's where we had Roy Russell, Randy, and Jerry Lopez then critique it and work on it. You know, and, and Jerry did the wings mm-hmm. um, and he fluted the wings and, and worked on, on the rails. And then, um, and so did Roy and then Randy. And so they all touched it and did some work on it and then signed it. You know, everyone's signed it right. off the stringer. And then from there, we took it back to Dick's place. Okay. And then, you know, Dick critiqued it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, oh, those motherfuckers, they fucked it all up. <laughs> look at this, look at that. Ah, and he was all, you know, constructive criticism, sure. I guess. Sure. So he went over it again, worked on it. And then from there, again, we took it back to JC's spot. And that's where, you know, JC and Shane worked on it again to fine tune it mm-hmm. based on how, you know, uh, you know, for Shane to ride. Sure. And Jerry kind of instructed us to put black bolt rails, pin lines on the rails uh-huh. and go red on it on the bottom. So it went into airbrushing. Again, we documented this whole thing. And then. Uh, now, was Shane part of the glassing as well, too, and, and the airbrushing? No, just the shaping yeah. side of it. And then um, and then we got, obviously, a, a Dick Brewer fin. Right. Glassed on. Big Dick fin. Got a, yeah, it was probably an eight incher. Right. You know, nine, maybe. Yeah. So. It's um, a big one. Yeah, standard. Resembles. But, yeah. Yeah, clear. Yeah. Not dark. Right. So, so um, and yeah. Hey, hey, just put it out there. There's nothing wrong with a dark one, but dark you know, he's yeah. his own. Yes. So it was white and clear. 
Right. Claire. So we basically finished product. It came out really bitching. Um, big red, big color. That's what Shane called it. And he was stoked. And anyway, he took it out and we got him uh, documented, you know, him riding it at Sunset and Pipe. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the whole purpose, too, behind the project was to do a fundraiser for the um, Cystic Fibrosis right. uh, Foundation um, auction in Huntington Beach every year around the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we documented everything, and then the board, again, was, was um, I donated the board to the Cystic Fibrosis to raise money. Right. Um, and and <laughs> it's just a funny story. So we, obviously, JC flew over, um, and we presented the board, you know, up at the, at the, on stage. And, and uh, you know, the cystic fibrosis uh, venue is not really, you know, you don't get core surfers there or anything. But Right. So the, the particular crowd, I guess, for whatever reason, it didn't get bit up that high. Uh-huh. So uh, a friend of mine um, was with me, and, and he bit on it and ended up winning it. Right. You know, which was cool. And then he gave it back to me, which, oh, yeah, which was which nice. Which is even cooler. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I still have it here, and um, I've been meaning, you know, I've talked to Shane a number of times since then, and, you know, now with, you know, him having kids and Jackson and that, you know, and surf craze, you know, I, I felt it's best to give it back to Shane. Yeah. And for like his son, maybe Pay right? Yeah. yeah, just like it was. Yeah, and then you know to keep it in the family. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So did Shane ever get to write it? Try it out? Yeah, so yeah, he wrote it at Pipe and Sunset. Yeah, and it was fully documented. So we have even online you can go on there. It's the the story behind the board. It's just a like a sizzle reel, but mm-hmm. I've yet to actually to feature the whole um, and edit and, and release the full. Uh, uh, edition of yeah, that story be fun you totally gotta do it yeah you know We're that's pressuring what's, you now that's what's cool you know i've done some filming in my my heydays and stuff that i'm still holding on to that i haven't released that's you know some some good stuff sometimes it's you appreciate more stuff that maybe you put in the vault and then bring it out five or ten years later and, and release it right you know it's almost funner to watch well they should have filmed us over the last few days yeah, because I tell you what, that would have been fun to watch. Because <laughs> we've had a blast, man. Yeah, um, down at the Hurley Pro and uh, Kelly's event, the art show with Todd Glazer and um, and Bruce Reynolds. That was fun. Yeah, some nice stuff there. There was definitely nice stuff there. They were doing the obviously good cause, raising money for. Um, I think kids in, in, in South Africa or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've yet to buy my piece from Todd. I got to circle back with him on that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really good event. Uh, great vibe. Great people. Who do you think was better looking in our outfit? So, oh, I, my God. We should oh, have well. taken a vote. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the funny see, the funny thing is, we're at the contest and, uh, and, uh, Pat, I'm like, Pat, I need some new clothes. Uh, for this event tonight and he's like yeah yeah yeah, go to the store so i go in there and i pick out you know they only have a couple of nice uh event style shirts for that night and one was a white in turquoise uh bird of paradise shirt 
The other one was a more camo flavored palm tree type of Aloha shirt. Um, so I opted for the uh, camo one uh, to match my camo shoes. And then you went in there right after me and got the other shirt. And we pretty much look like twins, like the weight staff. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I Pat, think we were the hit of the show. I personally. think so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. Um, they just didn't want to admit it. Even Peter King. No, they were know? admitting See, it. Peter looked like shit, you know, wearing all black and stuff. What's well, up with that? Peter called me out right in the beginning and said that uh, I, I was banned from well, from bidding. I don't know what that was about. Maybe because you brought me there. Maybe because we knew there was too much money. We were going to buy it all. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Whatever. No, um, you know, you being a real estate uh, broker and investor, um, is that, you know, is that what led you down to Mexico? Max. Because Mexico, Mexico is a part of your life that <clears throat> is. Uh, yeah, Max, you now. know, it's, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I have a little resort down there, a surf destination, mm -hmm. uh, Punta Canal Resort. And how that all came about was... And that's in the Salinas Cruz area, right? Yeah, Southern yeah, Oaxaca. Mexico, Oaxaca, yeah. all the famous and point breaks. I know, and you still yet to get down there. Yeah. Get you back into shape. I know, you've or been telling... surfing, paddling shape. You've been telling me to come down there every year, so I need to get back down there. There's a good strip bar there, too, for you. Um, yeah, I don't go to strip bars. Okay. Yeah, well, all I'm right. Christian. Yeah, it's, that's good. But what, you know, what... <laughs> What what attracted me down there again when, you know, I was looking way back when, again, like a lot of, you know, people here in SoCal have vacation homes and that in, in, right. in Cabo or Baja. And so I was looking for, um, you know, a, possibly a second home or just something to, you know, I can go maybe spend a couple months out of the year and go, you know surf my brains out you know mm -hmm. it's like get into my golden years so you know over 10 years ago i took a trip down there and you know just to scope it out check it out you know i've been to cabo i've been to baja right. you know and, and we all know now, how expensive did you, did you go down there right after the rip curl search or before because uh, that's what kind of made that whole zone famous yeah well especially barra god what year was that that was and Andy Irons won it. It was just right. insane, and yeah, I can't believe it never went back there. I think that was two thousand. When was that? Two thousand four. Yeah, it was pretty early. Five. It was right around then. I don't yeah. know if it was four before or after that, but you know, I've been to Barra obviously before they uh -huh. had that event there, and and I had actually an opportunity to buy some land there at Barra, which, you know, at that time they wanted too much money. But, you know, Barra was a pretty well-kept secret for many years. Uh -huh. um, obviously the search blew it up, right. uh, unfortunately. Because most course, people would just go down to Puerto Escondido. Yeah, and there's, you know... Really not like, going any farther like south. Like you said, they got the best it probably ever was and that I can recall. Sure. But... You know, when I went down there, yeah, I just, you know, I, I saw all the, the, the point break setups down there and, and I'm like, damn, this is it, you know, warm water, clear water, beautiful coastline. Great fishing. No, no tourism. Yeah, good fishing. 
And so I became friends with um, one of the you know, first operators down there. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, at that time, most of the surf operators, they were all based in the city. And, you know, as a surfer, if you're coming down to go surfing, obviously you want to be on the beach, not in the city. Sure. So, you know, I was, you know, talking to my friend saying, hey, you really, you know, you got to, you got to be on the, you got to move your operation on the beach. Was, you know, and that, that turned the light bulb on, 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 on himself, you know, like, yeah, you're right. You know, because as over time, if he's not the first one going to be on the beach, someone else is going to. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you know, I just told him, look, you know, I'd, I'd really like to, you know, buy something down here. And, and he's a civil engineer, contractor. And, you know, I said, look, I'd like to try to buy something down here and just have, you know, my own little space. And so I can come down and surf and with my friends and, and hang out. Anyway, so what happened was we, you know, during the financial crisis here in 08, mm-hmm. you know, is when, you know, we acquired some land down there and, and then, um, um, you know, he had the idea, well, you know, look, I want to build a, a resort, you know, and I really didn't want to build a resort because why would I want to promote and surfing down in bring my little more, secret spot? Right. And bring right. more people down. <laughs> And and he's like, well, look again, and if we're not going to do it, someone else is. It's inevitable. It's just nature of the beast, right? And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, like doing that, you know, we'll build your own space, you know, and, and then we'll have the resort. So, I, you know, I just, you know, I said, all right, I went along with it, and you know, it took us a few years to get it off the ground and, and to build it, and and um, you know, it 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 it, it happened. And, right, you know, and um, it's a great spot. I, you know, luckily, you know, down there because there's not a lot of infrastructure. It's been slow growth as far as just the whole area, right? Because you know? there's and, not much down there. Is no, there? other than you know the Selena itself, which is a very industrial town with Pemex oil and all that. But uh-huh. so, and it's pretty safe because the military's down there, pr- kind of protecting the oil area. And, yeah, there's a know. lot of. Um. Yeah, government. You know, Marines and Navy and and Army, Army and everything all right. down there. Yeah, it's pretty safe. Like, Again, I feel almost safer down there than I do here. Right, because there's some pretty gnarly parts of Mexico, and yeah, yeah, especially up around the borders. Yes. So. Yeah. So I, you know, it's 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 been good to me. You know, it's as far as I, I enjoy going down there, and and you know, that's what's really probably keeping me. You know, my point in my life at my age, you know, keeping me in shape, surfing shape, you know, right. with all the long points and all the paddling and, you know, you'd be surprised in what cardio you get, you know, surfing those long waves. And, sure. Um, so thank God. Yeah. And, and it's, it's been, it's been fun. Yeah. Don't do that. I'm tapping. I can hear it. I'm getting my ADHD going. <laughs> Stop your tapping, man. <laughs> now, um, if people want to uh, find that resort, you know, how easy is it to find? Is yeah, there they a just go online, puntacanejoresort.com. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a boutique resort. You know, a lot of people call it, well, it's a surf camp. No, it isn't a surf camp. Surf camp to me sounds like cheesy, you know, set up with, you know, surf stuff all around, uh-huh. you know, like, just 
boutique you know, cater to the non-surfer as well. Yeah, we like you know I want to call it a, a boutique resort catering to not only the surfer, but you know to you know families and mm-hmm. you know we're trying to go after the Canadians in the off season. Sure. And uh, you a lot know, of Europeans decor, come down there. Yeah, some Australians, yeah. you know, um, as well, and Brazilians, obviously. Damn it! But <laughs> you, you get something <laughs> against Brazilians. <laughs> we, you know, it's funny. We we just you know, there's Alvin, there's you know. a lot of <laughs> some of the operators around there get a lot of Brazilians. Uh-huh. We surprisingly we 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 get a few, but they're more of the higher end uh-huh. Brazilians, which. Um, you know, they've been very nice, nice yeah. people. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, but it's, um, you know, again, the, the way we decored it is around like Oaxacan art and in colors and schemes and, you know, not a bunch of surf pictures on the wall. And now what is Oaxacan like art? So, Were they Incas or Mayans or Aztecs down there? Of course you'd have to ask me that, but. Because I'm not sure where. Um, well, you know, Oaxaca City is like four-hour drive from from the resort, but um, how far is it from Mexico City? Well, it's Mexico City's Aztec. Yeah, Salinas is an Maya, hour flight from Mexico City. I think the Mayans were in Cancun, but, right? Yeah, that you know, and the Incas. You're asking the wrong were guy. In yeah, I'm a gringo. Peru I, should, I should know these things, Chile. but I don't. It's almost I want to say Mexican Indian type of art, okay. oils. Um, I think but it's just as, I like the colors. Yeah, I like just the colors and turquoise. You know, I like like the resort. I like furnishing it to where you kind of you feel a little bit of the local culture, right? What's as far the, as art, what's the what's the uh, but, type of stone that turquoise stone that, that you always see in Indian? cultures and mexican cultures oh yeah see so you're i'm bad at all that yeah culture. yeah i'm too i just totally went blank on it yeah i don't know i should know but i don't i'll remember it i'll remember it but um you just so, did a trip down there a little while ago with um shane and bill yeah. kylie and chris Lieto and all their kids just a little fun yep father-son trip and it looked like those guys scored they had a blast. It was it was perfect. Um, it was right after a fairly large swell, like just came through. The sand moved for the better, and mm-hmm. so they got the back end of that swell, and they got really good conejo. We got fun, you know, a few other spots really fun, and and for Jackson and the Groms, it was paradise. You know, they were getting their longest rides ever. Yeah. 400 meter long rides and I see some some of the picks. It was so good. Yeah, and even even Shane and, and and the dads had a blast too. Right. You know, I mean, I had to cut short, but um, but it was they were stoked. Yeah, yeah, it sounded like they had a blast, and um, you know, like I said, it was a father and son trip, and uh, but during the trip, um, you kind of got some shocker news as a father. And uh, you kind of had to bolt out of there, and um, yeah. and you know from from the bottom of my heart right now, I just want to tell you, you know how much I love you, and um, so you know once again, uh, you know I offer my condolences to you, and um, but uh, well, thank you, Doze. During that time, you uh, lost your son, yes. Brandon, 
and uh, it, it was pretty heavy. You and I have had, had these conversations about them over the last few days, and uh, yeah. so we decided to talk about it during this podcast, and um, you know, kind of kind of tell Brandon's story, and um, and then uh, and then you know maybe we can help bring some awareness to you know, some of the other families that might be dealing with this. And, um, and, and maybe if anything through Brandon's life, we can, um, you know, bring some kind of awareness to help others, um, so that it doesn't end this way, you know, and uh, you want to kind of tell us a little bit about, about Brandon, your oldest son, Brandon. Yeah. Brandon, I know this is tough for you, bro. Yeah, but it's sure you choke up, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> yeah. Brandon was twenty nine. You uh -huh. know when he passed, but. Uh, Which, you know, we all know is too, too young to die. Exactly. But uh, I have a 29 year old son, so I, uh, but, uh, I can't anyway, even he, um, yeah, I think like a lot of young adults, I guess, if you want to say, or younger generation today, you know, a lot of people in today's society are fighting demons, mm -hmm. yeah, if you want to call them that, but, uh, no, Brandon was, a, you know, he was a good kid, smart kid, you know, he had his broker's license, and he worked for me for many years in the real estate side, and, um, but he always, you know, he always was... You know, he was a good-looking kid. You know, he had everything going for him. And, mm -hmm. the, you know, uh, as a 29-year-old, he had a lot more going than, than a lot of his peers had, you know, at, at that age. But, you know, having everything in life doesn't mean that you're a happy person. Right. You know, so, you know, he, you know, growing up, obviously certain things along your journey um, that you experience mm -hmm. are good things and there's certain things that are you know could be you know not so good either mm -hmm. you know psychologically growing up as a kid in today's society meaning like divorces um, and divorce um, you know is we've talked about this divorce mm -hmm. is so heavy you know on kids and yeah. a lot of people they get caught up in their divorce and they forget about what the kids are yeah. seeing and what they're going through, you know. Um, I'm very adamant about uh, telling people over and over, even if they're starting a new marriage or, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm like, just remember what it's, it's, it's going to happen to those kids during that yeah. divorce. And, um, 
you know, that problem that you guys are having is between you two and it's not between the kids and you need to be able to handle yourselves correctly going through a divorce that, um, you know, the kids don't see your bullshit, you know, and, um, because it hurts them, man. And don't use those kids as pawns. And we, you know, you know, my ex at that time, his mother, it was, it was actually a really civil divorce and the, you know, there wasn't, you know, the kids weren't really in the middle. Right. Um, you know, it goes a little deeper than that, but like, but the fact that just, you know, mom and dad separating mm-hmm. and, you know, mom, you know, moving, picking up and moving out of the area because as, as a, you know, Brandon was, I don't know, 15, 14 or 15 when, you know, we got divorced and, right. you know, he had to set his friends here, you know, his life was, you know, was, was, was here and, you know, she decided to pick up and, and go south. Right. You know, only an hour outside, you know, where we're living at, where, where we were, we were living. But, but to him, you know, that was like being a million miles away, you sure. know, leaving all his friends and everyone behind and new school and new school and not knowing anybody. And then, you know, that's when he slowly started introverting and, and just the fact as a 15 year old, you know, going through adolescence mm-hmm. and with your friends like, oh, they, his parents got divorced and, you know, that, that stigma of, oh, you know, he moved, his parents got divorced. You felt a little shame too sure. You sure. Know, as, a, as, a, as a child and a lot of adults as parents don't realize that kind of effect on their kids when they, you know, pick up and leave, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I went through the same thing with it's, my, you know, that, my son and his, know, and his mom. Right. And she was in the same town, which yeah. just disappeared. Yeah. So, so I mean that, that didn't help. That's yeah. my point. And, and just, you know, um, you know, then, and just certain things, you know, Brandon, you know, he, he was very rigid in his own ways and, and, um, you know, as, as, as time went on, you know, he, he, he wanted to, uh, do his own thing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he quit working for me and, um, and I was supportive of that just, you know, just to, you know, he wasn't the most so- social butterfly. Right. I mean, he was, but he wasn't, you know, yeah. he'd have a little bit of social anxiety, uh-huh. you know, and. And, you know, he, he seek therapy for that, you know, and, and he was on some proper meds for easing his anxiety in uh-huh. the social environment, which helped him. And he, you know, that's when he met his, you know, his, his girlfriend and, and fell, you know, in love. And that was probably the happiest I, you know, I seen him, you know, sure. as a, you know, young man. And, um, so you know, certain things there, you know, he, he, he had a great time with his girl and then she, you know, went back east and kind of they fell apart and that really hurt him and set him back. Right. Um, so these things, I think, were over time were compounding, you know, these little things, you know, the divorce, the 
you know the introverted you know the yeah. thing with this this, this gal and, and the social anxiety thing right and, you know as as a parent obviously you see these things and you go okay you know you try to check in and help them you know when they leave the nest and they go uh-huh. move out on their own and you know you you were you starting to see these signs while he was still a teenager living with you um Yes, and you know more so. I think is because he was living with his mom, mm-hmm. um, and and she was, and she was there for him, and you know tried to get him some some help, and you know was he having out, you know, just outbursts and stuff and, like that, and you know that they, you know they they had their moments as well, as right. far as his mother and himself, and you know it was like a love hate relationship sometimes. I think you know, mm-hmm. and you know Brandon would say things that you know I think would. You know, to hurt it would, you know, hurt her feelings. I don't think he meant them, but sure. he probably wanted to get her reaction, you know. Sure. You know, as a young kid, I think what's so important is, which a lot of us here, I think, in, in America, compared to, like, for example, what I see in Mexico, mm-hmm. the family bond, you know, the family unit, love, affection, um, being together and helping one another during crisis, during absolutely non-crisis, you know, but you know, we slowly here in in our society, I think, have lost that family bond, and um, and you know that you know affects our children, our youth, you know, as they grow into adulthood, hundred percent, and. Um, And then it just carries on from one generation to the next generation if you can't, you know, keep that going, you know, and teach them the right way right in the beginning. Yeah. So it's just, you know, became, um, you know, Brandon, he he really wanted to find himself and he was getting into, uh, he got into digital music um, producing and, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, which I'm putting a song list together here to for everyone to enjoy, you know, of his legacy. Right. Um, and, um, but yeah, he just, he just kind of just bottled himself up in his apartment and um, he just became more and more unsocial. Uh-huh. You know, um, even though, you know, I was... You know, hey, let's go do something. Let's go surf. Let's go down to the beach, take a run. Let's, you know, but he's trying to get him outside. Yeah, get him out. And he just, you know, he really wouldn't want to, you know. And then, you know, at a certain point, you kind of like, unfortunately, you know, sometimes you give up. Like, you know, you're like, well, he doesn't want to do this and that, you know. But so, you know, it's, you know, became. You know, I'd always check him on him and, you know, always try to go down and see him and hang out with him at least, have, you know, lunch or, you know. But he, he, he became more and more, um, he became more, it seemed like almost like bipolar. Right. More outbursts, a lot of anger. And, um, you know, his mom and his, his brothers and even myself tried to, you know, get him to maybe, you know, try to see someone and get back on his on, on, on some, on meds, some meds, right? To make him feel not so depressed, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but he he didn't want to, you know. He didn't like the side effects of meds, which you know you, you can't blame him. 
you know, and he really tried to change his diet. Um, he felt better and he would go in swings, you know, right. And, you know, mental illness, you know, for those who've experienced it with loved ones and that it's, it's a tough deal. You know, you feel, especially when the person is an adult and you, you feel helpless, Sure. you know, you try to recommend things or help them and yet they don't want to take your help or accept your help or, you know, they reject you or, you know, it's, is especially as a father, it's, you know, it's hard, you know, you, 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 you know what you think's the right thing, but then, you know, to do mm-hmm. or to help, but then, you know, they reject that help or they don't want that help. Right. And then, you, and, and then it's, it was tough, you know, and it's, it's, um, so it, it, you know, but I, I kept hope, you know, for, were for you man, able to get I, him I into, feel, huh? into, were you able to get him into any doctors? No. And, you know, he, he, you know, he kept telling me and, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm working on myself. Right. You know, I'm, I'm trying to work this out myself, whether it's making music and releasing his, his tension or anger. Right. Uh, but he was, also, he was, he was also a smart kid that he was also learning the right things to say to make everybody just kind of leave him alone at the same time. Yeah. He'd well, know too. what to say to, yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. He was, he was, he, he would tell me things that just to ease my concern, even mm. though behind the scenes he was in a lot of pain. Sure. You know, mentally, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, you know, with mental illness, it slowly creeps up on you, like, you know, and there's, the, and then it's, uh, you know, when you get into your mid to late 20s, it could really hit you hard, mm-hmm. which it kind of did for Brandon, unfortunately. You know, and, and it, it came to a point where, um, you know, I try to go visit him and, and I, I, you know, as a young man in our, our, our our primes going back when we were in our twenties. I mean, I, I thought back, you know, when I was 25, 27, I mean, all I thought about was kind of women. You right. Know? We have kind of a high sex drive. Right. <laughs> right. So that part of it, you know, he, he, he really, after, you know, what happened with his, his first love and girlfriend and he really wanted to re and then connect with the female, but he was so fighting with himself, inner self, with his, you know, was it social anxiety or his mm-hmm. depression? And he just, he was struggling with that. And I think that's what really, it was getting that anger built up on him as well. And right. so and then also he was being fighting stu- with Also that. being stuck in the house all day long, you know, yeah, you're, you're not going to meet anybody if you don't go out. You know, and and right, and that that's what was hard for him. You know, he really wanted to go out. Right. He really wanted to go find a, a female companion, but every time he'd go out, he'd get into these anxiety. Like even though you could see him walking on the street or see him in passing, you wouldn't think you he's wouldn't normal. Think, yeah, but inside, he's, he's just tore up. In 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 just yeah yeah in. So, which almost creates this little bit of like paranoia mm-hmm. over time, right? Right, and then you start getting paranoid, right? And and that's where 
you know, then he would he he would just have the yeah. So he was just fighting it as as as, as I think mentally as a human when you're fighting this is more anger. He's mad at himself, and that he and then which kind of then gets into his basic functioning skills. Mm-hmm. Like I can't do anything anymore. I can't even, you know. You know, he makes a list of certain things he wants to do for the day, and then he goes out and he can't do them because of his anxiety or, or whatever. And then he gets mad at himself, right? And then he gets negative, you know. And then it just compounds and just like, you know, fuck it, I'm just going to sit home all day, don't sure. do anything, you know, smoke dope and work on the computer and barricade himself, mm-hmm. you know, and. So yeah, and over time, you know, if you're sitting in that kind of position for three, four years, you, you you slowly go crazy. Absolutely. And that's, you know, and yet, you know, so it came to a point where, you know, I, it's, you know, it, you know, well, like a family intervention, you know, mm-hmm. um, but we felt he might get too violent and then. Um, you know, my, you know, last kind of resort was to, you know, try to do a, it's a 5150, you know, what's called, um, when the, where, you know, they, the authorities come in and the health department come in and doing a mental uh, behavioral evaluation for 72 hours and, you know, retain that person. Right. And you, you're and, pretty much at that point because you can't get him to go see anybody, right? Right. He, yeah. So it, it's as a parent, you know, I really wanted to to get him, you know, committed for seventy two hours to where the they can, you know, evaluate him, maybe diagnose him, maybe being bipolar or or just being very depressed, and get him on maybe proper meds. Right. To, but again, even if they diagnosed him and they gave him a prescription, would he even take them? You know, but. But at any rate, you know, um, um, you know, I tried to to do that with the local um, police yeah. and, and Orange County Health Department, which is called CAT uh-huh. Crisis Assessment Team, and I tried to um, now that do that. You didn't know, seem to go three days. Well. Yeah, I tried to do that three days prior to his accident. And they came out um, and evaluated him. And, of course, he talked his way out of it. Right. Which a lot of people in his similar shoes do just to avoid going through that. But, um, you know, like I was telling you the other day, is it's, it's, you know, when you call the local police when someone is, you feel is, is um, going to harm themselves or harm others. And you call the local police, they come out and... They even do their evaluation. Yeah, you know, CAT team even, the crisis assessment team, they come out. None of those field calls are, are registered with, with this, you know, this police department. They didn't register any of those calls. Um, the 5150 call... The neighbor that mm-hmm. called when he kind of went in rage and went at me with, you know, glass bottles. Mm-hmm. Now, why and, is that? 
Why is that that they're not? Well, that's what I you know and, and kind of find who, out. And who do they but, file those in with? The mental health department, um, something. Well, you you would think that the police would register um, field calls that are called by local, like a neighbor or something, if something's uh-huh. going on, and especially when I think a, a family member is trying to commit someone on a fifty-one fifty to have them evaluate. You would think those calls would be registered um i know a lot of cops and they're like the domestic part side is is some of the most violent you know yeah and and because just to give you a little quick insight i mean i i try to do these uh, you know the 5150 on a friday Mm -hmm. police came out on two occasions on friday none of those calls were registered the following and you know and i you know saw Brandon over the weekend and a uh, cat actually in the police department were going to come out and just visit him, uh-huh. see how he was checking on him right. on a Sunday and they never did. And then Tuesday, you know, Brandon left his apartment and went for a stroll and he had some type of altercation or maybe he had an episode where right. he kind of snapped. Police came out to one of the, the businesses there two blocks from his house where he was at and arrested him for under the influence of a controlled substance and they booked him even though you know they took his blood and he he had nothing he had nothing in his system other than pot right and at that point they should be going okay well look there's nothing in the system here. We've booked him for under the influence. He was out of control. Um, you know, being reckless, disturbing the peace, whatever was going on right there. There's something going on. We've we've already seen. We've been called out there on, on the Friday. We've been called out there before from the neighbors. Um, you know, that's the perfect time to say, hey, bring the cap team back in. Let's do an evalu- evaluation. Well, exactly. That that's the whole thing. If during his point of being arrested, if they would have ran his name, which I'm sure they did, or maybe they didn't, they would have then. If those calls three days prior were registered in their system, mm-hmm. they would have seen that. Oh, this father tried to do a fifty-one fifty. Oh, the neighbor called on, you know, someone kind of going nuts. Oh, well, hmm, we're picking them up now on being kind of. Mm-hmm. And the cat team was supposed to be out there. Right. So if if they would have seen the history over the last, you know, three days, then they could have used a, a you know, a judgment call. Oh, let's call cat and get him committed for, you know, 72 hours and call his dad and right. let him know what's up versus, you know, getting his blood test. Oh, he obviously is not on any controlled substance. So let him go. Let him go at, Two That's in the ridiculous. morning. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and so they let him go at two in the morning, approximately. And now on a Wednesday morning, and um, you know, which the police station to his place is, I don't know, a mile and a half, maybe two miles max. Mm-hmm. So he just wandered around. They didn't even offer him a ride back to his place or anything, which you're not really entitled to. But you would think that the fact that they unwrongfully 
charged him on a drug charge. Right. But what's even funny on that is in talking to the lead investigator at the police station, they're like, well, there's a lot of designer drugs out there today that don't even show a blood test. You know, <laughs> disputing the fact that, well, we're still going to stick him to the charge of a drug charge, but we didn't see anything in his blood. Yeah. Which, really? How's that, that, that going to work? That's not going to hold up in court. Right. So anyway, he left um, the police station, wandered around, maybe crashed in someone's lawn. I don't know. He never went home. And then um, he, Wednesday midday, he was just wandering around, you know, a few blocks from the police station and and then just, you know, took his life by leaping out in front of a truck. And then, um, you know, God, you know, God forbid that, you know, he didn't hurt anyone, um, obviously. And, and, you know, Brandon was an organ donor. Mm-hmm. So he basically was brain dead on the scene and they were luckily able to revive him and, and bring him into the trauma center and put him on life support. Right. And, and you're, you're um, in Mexico at this point. Yeah. I'm in, in Mexico and um, he came in as a John Doe to the trauma center. Uh-huh. He didn't have any idea on him. All he had was his police report that he got charged, you know, a few hours earlier for being under the influence right. in his pocket. So that's the only source of identification that he had. And so they trauma center called the police department. Oh, it was just, you know, Brandon Enrico. They probably took a photo of him, sent it over. They identified him as, yes, that's Brandon. Yeah. Um, and um, and that's when they found his brother on Facebook and that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the other thing. Where does ID go? Right. Uh, the police still have? I don't know. They said they you don't. You never found it at the no. house? or No. Well, but luckily, you know, Brandon's still living through others. You know, he was an organ donor, and he, he definitely... Um, helped others going out. I think he, you know, looking down on us, he, he's, you know, probably got a big smile. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, he's in a happier place, I think now, but he doesn't have that pain anymore. Right. Now, now moving, but it's, um, moving you know, forward, how can we, um, you know, w- what are your recommendations? You know, um, neither one of us are any kind of psychologist or, yeah. you know, anything. You know, we're just yeah. we're just fathers. We're parents, yeah. you know. And there's a lot of other parents out there that may be going through the same thing. Um, can you give any kind of advice, you know? Well, I mean, I mean, I, it's... Hey, I think... Every day you should love, hold, cherish, you know, and and talk to your kids every day. Right. Regardless if they're in the nest or not. Mm -hmm. While they're young, you know, like, you know, like sponges when they're young, you know, under... As we all know, once they hit their teens, well, it gets toxic, right? Right. <laughs> they know everything. <laughs> but, but it, you know, preteen. But even then, that, it's, e- even it's, then, it's so important to to 
to have that affection and love and, and um, hold your kids every day. It's in Brandon's case, you know, um, when you see signs of, of stress, depression, early signs, you know, it's, it's important to head it off before the evil head of mental illness takes over. Sure. Because once you get to that point, it's like, it's hard going back, uh-huh. in my opinion, unless you totally get people like sedated, you know, right. on meds. And, and yet when you see early signs, of course, like a lot of people, they just immediately go out and put their child or something on Ritalin or some type of depression medicine that sure. can even make them worse down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think there's a fine balance between proper medication maybe, but at the same time... Love and support. Love and support is huge. With friends and family and and loved ones mm-hmm. around that individual. Right. Um, possibly taking him out of a certain surroundings that cause certain depression, you know? Right. You know, when, like, for example... In Brandon's case, you know, he picked up and was moved as a 15-year-old to a location that he was not even familiar with. And he felt, you know, he he knew no one. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that type of move can spark depression, which can lead into mental illness down the road. Right. So changing you know teens and young adults you know in their prime venues of of, you know what they're experiencing in life and you know event trauma events and stuff and um you know that that's that's important you know and not and that's one thing is in today's society i feel is Earlier when I was talking about the family bond, you know, we're, we're so caught up and trying to make a buck and make ends meet and, you know, working 40 hours a week and we're all in our own program and doing our daily functions of life as adults, as parents, going to work, coming mm-hmm. back, feeding the dog, feeding the kids, going to sleep, doing the same thing over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's in their routines and they kind of lose focus of, you know, sometimes of taking that extra time or taking time out of their busy schedules to, you know, to take care of their loved ones, to right. spend time, quality time right, with their loved ones. Yeah, so um, like, like me, I, and, I've uh, got little routines that I do, but just, you know, to make it so that I am spending that proper time with my son and mm-hmm. and hearing what's going on in his head. And one of the things I do is, you know, we sit down, we have dinner together every night. Yeah. Never fails. Um, 
And the first thing I ask him, and we both ask each other these two questions. What was the best thing about your day today? What was the worst thing about your day today? You know? And um, just get it right there out of the open. You know? You can learn from that stuff. You know? And, and you can really start to see what's going on in that other person's head, whether it's in mine or, or his or... But it's just something that I do to try and, and be, you know, really personal right there. You know, you know, I'm saying these things not because I didn't do these things personally. Right. right. But, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but when something like what happened, you know, with me and, you know, and Brandon is naturally as a human being, a father, you, you look back and, you know, there's the blame, the blame game. There's the, you know, what, it, what should I have done differently? What, right. you know, what, you know, should I have made more effort and in, in, in time? Cause again, I you know, we travel a lot, did a lot of fun things together, but that's not everything, right. you know, it's really being there, you know, on a personal, on a an affectionate, on a, you know, like, like, you know, a lot of kids and young adults hold things. They don't tell you things that are bothering them sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you know, getting them to be open to you as, as a as a you know a parent or you know, and so you know, everyone's different, obviously. But um, you know, so yeah, nobody's nobody's perfect. Yeah, but it, it's, and nobody knows what the other person is thinking either. Like you said. Yeah. And what they're going through. And, you know, when it comes down to, you know, when someone really is, is fighting with, with, with demons and, and they're in a crisis situation, mm -hmm. you know, like Brandon was, is, is, you know, you, again, you think, oh, this is not going to happen to me or, oh, you know, right. is really, you, you need to take action before it's too late. Right. And, you know, again, I look back on, on, on the, the, those couple of days prior to his accident, like, shit, um, I should have pressured it, you know, the cat team and them to really, you know, take him in, you know. Right. Um, but again, I was hoping, well, it was a wake up call for him and, and he was he was being receptive on seeking some help at that time when they came out, you know, the Friday prior and I, you know, so I was having this hope, you know, but again, sometimes tough love is the best love. Right. And sometimes, you know, maybe that got to me in the sense that I wasn't tough enough. Right. So it's, it's not your fault, bro. It's not your fault at all. So don't even <laughs> think that. Um, but I just feel in the end, you know, the, the system there kind of failed them a little bit. And I Absolutely. think that I agree with you a hundred percent. I think that, and again, I'm not trying to <clears throat> sit here and blame, you know, the local authorities or, or, or a cat on, on his, on his, on his death. But I just feel well, that it, it possibly could have been prevented in the sense that if those calls were registered and the, and the police made a better judgment call and got him committed to cat, it could have been prevented. And hopefully sense. somebody in that system yeah. is actually listening to this yeah. and taking heed of that so that yeah. changes can be made for in the future. So if anybody yeah. else is going through this, um, 
you know, we can help stop that and catch it before it gets to that point. Yeah, that's that's my plan is to obviously the coroners and that are still doing their uh, investigations on his toxicology reports. I won't be ready for another month or two, but you know, my plan is to meet with the senior leaders of the local police department and, and that to make them aware and to get them to try to register those field calls um, to, you know, to possibly prevent this from happening to someone else's loved one. And, and I really feel with today's technology, I don't see why they couldn't because right. what's, what's more disturbing those is again, they, they, you know, based on the evidence provided at this point, they arrested him unwrongfully for a drug charge, right? Right. So, you know, on a, on a Tuesday, they arrested him. They released him on a Wednesday morning at 1 a.m. or one thirty, whatever it was. By Friday, he's receiving solicitation mail at his, at his apartment uh-huh. from attorneys wanting to represent him on his drug charge. <laughs> you know, like spam mail. Right. Like, really? Yeah. Our society, it's, it's disgusting in the sense that they can provide this public information within 24 hours from his arrest for people to solicitate him for business, yet they can't register field calls prior to you know, well, it, this, this it arrest just, from it just bums. It's just crazy. And when I talk about data being provided to the public and data being entered, right? Right. You would think it would be that much more easier to input these field calls versus releasing his arrest information to the public so he can get solicited on, you know, attorneys wanting to represent him on a fake drug charge right well the other thing the other thing that pisses me off is common sense man you know they these guys are lacking common sense okay first of all we arrested you for being under the control of a substance you were out of control okay um well then you come across your blood test says no you're not on anything well use freaking common sense right there what else is going on Okay. You would think that. What else is going on? Like you said, if those things had been documented, that you were trying to do a 5150, and um, it would have been right frickin' there. Why isn't that documented? You know? But still, common sense right there tells you, okay, well, hey, something else is going on here. What's going on? Can we get somebody else in here to kind of yeah, then these talk are things to him for a few minutes? You know? Find out, and yeah, that's why I'm going to, you know... It's not over, and you know I'll circle back or circle back and give you. But it, it, you know, I just would ho- hope that you know maybe we can change this system there to where we can save some other you know family's loved one from Absolutely. something like this happening. Absolutely, and I and that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to talk about this, mm-hmm. you know, during the podcast, and so that if there are other families that are going through something like this, please go out there. You know, love your child. Try and get him some help. Um, there's there's a lot of options out there, and uh, and then you know, do what we can to make sure that these authorities are also documenting this stuff too. You yeah. know, if it gets to that that case. But um, 
you know, we're going to end this thing here, but I want to end it on a note where, um, tell me one of the best memories you have about your son. You know, let's, let's leave on a really, really good memory of Brandon. One of the best times that you guys were ever to enjoy each other in your life, you know? Well, but there's, there's probably a, you know, there's, I'm sure, there's, I'm sure there's a lot, but yeah. the first one that just, just jumps out right at <clears> you. <throat> Excuse me. Um, damn. You know, a lot of childhood memories, obviously. Um, you know, traveling with, you know, is, is good. You know, we'd always take like family trips and, um, you know, I let the kids always bring their friends as well. And, uh -huh. um, <clears throat> we used to do a lot of, you know, because again, like my, my kids, they were into computers a lot. Right. And, you know, playing WoW and. Sure. And uh, back then to Diablo or Diablo or what the hell it is. And just, you know, video games in general, that oh, whole yeah. generation. But, you know, a couple of memories comes to mind. We, you know, we go up to Mammoth. Every, you know, every winter and go snowboarding. And one, I think it was, I got him one of those arcade games, you know, the big ones uh -huh. that you see in. In the old arcades. You know, like, like well, the, a the, the tabletop, cocktail tabletop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Arcade like machines. Pac -Man, right. Like, the Pac-Man, I have one. Well, it's actually sitting here in my office. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, the kids were really into that at that time. And uh, with all the old games, you know, again, Pac-Man, uh -huh. Donkey Kong, all that stuff. Asteroids. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so uh, it was just classic. You know, the kids are so fired up. We, we, we packed this big table, cocktail table machine in the, my Suburban, uh -huh. along with all our snow gear and snowboards. <laughs> and brought it up to Mammoth. You took it up to Mammoth. And, took it up to <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, put it in the uh, chalet uh -huh. that we had for the week. <laughs> You know, and, and, you know, and to get back to the chalet, we, you know, the, the, the operator had to, you know, we had, they, they take you back in a snow cat. Oh, okay. And, so, and he's you know, probably we, going, what the like, hell Yeah, is this is the first time I've seen a family bring one of these. <laughs> <laughs> they took a crane to get this thing out of the, out of the, uh, out of the suburban, you know, Brandon was all fired up and, um, yeah, you know, stuff like that, just fun things and, you know, snowboarding together, you know, and, and, um, you know, I've, I've, you know, there's a video online, you know, I, I did some filming and producing uh -huh. just hobby stuff, just stuff that inspired me, you know, Arico Productions, you can go on YouTube and Venmo and there's, uh, there's, there's a clip on, uh, uh Brandon and I did some backcountry skiing together, snowboarding, I should say, and up in Mammoth under Arico Productions, Mammoth. I think Earthquake Dome, I think uh -huh. it is. And, um, you know, a lot of Catalina trips and, you know, just some, you know, fun things, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's just classic times around his, his buddies and, and uh, you know, yeah. There's there's too many to... to yeah, and that smile. That is, yeah. But, you know. But, you know, Pico, you know, that was his nickname. Pico lives on, you know. It's yeah, right he does. Yeah, and well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a celebration of his of his of his life here at some point, um, you know. And he's here now with me here in the house. He's chilling in the living room. Nice. 
and uh, he's here on my neck, you know. Yeah. Look at this with his ashes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beloved, you know, son. Ah. Uh, well, my yeah. heart goes. My heart goes out to you, brother, and and to the rest of your family and your family to me. So, you know, what happens to you happens to me and, and it breaks my heart. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm dedicating this, this episode here to, you know, Pico to Pico. And, um, you know, we're going to miss your brother. And, um, but you know, you're going to live on with us in spirit and, yeah. and, uh, I love you bugs. And hopefully this helps out a lot of other people that are going through the same issues, you yeah. know, and bring some awareness out there. I love you too, Dose. So, Dose knows. Dose knows. But, um, <clears throat> God, it's such a beautiful day. Such a beautiful yes. day. I don't think it could get any Is it even fall better. yet? It, I don't know. It, it is just is blazing yeah. sun. I should have had my shirt off out here because the sun's been the on me the whole time, so... Got to get those GoPros out. Got to get the GoPros out. We're going to take sponsored some by GoPro. Yeah, we're going to take some cool pictures uh, that are going to go up on the website of some of your really cool uh, boards. Also, uh, we're going to get a good picture of Brandon up on that website as well too. And then, um, and yeah, like I said, uh, this podcast is dedicated to the memory of him. And um, oh, thank you. And. Uh, yeah, I want to thank you for being on the show, bro. Anytime. Yeah, I love you, brother. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And until next time, ahoy-ho. Peace out. Thanks, Bugs, for being on the show. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Um, don't forget to go check out our sponsors, such as Maverick Sport Fishing, um, you can check them out at maverick.sportfishing.com if you've ever wanted to catch that dream fish of your life, that that famous, infamous thousand-pound marlin uh, that we have in our Kona waters. Then you definitely want to give Trevor Child a call, and uh, they specialize in half-day charters, three-quarter day charters, full-day charters, and overnight charters. So go check them out at maverick.sportfishingkona.com. Also, Hurley Clothing. Uh, that's where I was just at, at the Hurley Pro, and everybody's got all the top shorts. Sporting them right now with the new wetsuits. Go check them out, hurley.com, and uh, tell them Doe sent you. Oakley sunglasses, which I've been wearing here in California, and they've been doing a great job on my eyes. All the chicks can't see my eyes, which is a good thing. So, um, <laughs> uh, But check them out, oakley.com. You can go get their new prism lenses. And I think it's going to change your life. Uh, I've also been using my GoPro around here. And GoPro helps sponsor this show. And uh, they are awesome, man. Those little tiny cameras that you, you mount onto your head or onto your bike or onto your skateboard. However you guys use them. Um, they're the best ones on the planet. They have the new Hero 5 and the new Karma drone. Things are badass. I'm about to use them in Idaho on my, on my elk trip here. So go check them out at GoPro.com. You can find them on all social media, such as Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest. Um, also, Mokalele Airlines. I'm getting all tongue twisted right now. Um, they are your number one inner island uh, family-owned and operated airline. 
they operate over 120 flights daily throughout the Hawaiian Islands. And, uh, you know, they also have killer tours coming out of Maui now, which go all around Maui and the Big Island. So you got to go check those guys out and tell them you heard it on Doe's Nose, and they'll take care of you for sure. Kona Boys, if you're ever on the Big Island where I live, they are the first place you need to go to because I know you're going to want to jump in the water and go stand-up paddleboarding or boogie boarding or whatever it is. Well, they have everything that you need in their shop. They have two stores down at the King Kamehameha Beach Hotel and one down in Kalakekua. Uh, go see Frank and Brock. Tell them you heard it from me. You'll get 15% off with Doznos. Also, if you go to their website, Konoboys.com, uh, promo code Doznos, another 15% off. And if you're smart, say, hey, man, I'm actually from here. I want the comma Ina rate. That's another 15% off. So it's a big score right there. Um, also, Kona Coffee and Tea. That's where I get my morning crack on every morning. The best coffee in the world. This stuff is grown up on the slopes of Hualalai, brought down, roasted fresh every day down to the store so that you and I can enjoy this stuff the best right there. Um, I'm usually in there every morning. Come check it out. You'll see me. You'll see all my friends. And um, try some of this great coffee. Go check them out at KonaCoffeeAndTea.com. Also, for all you people that live all over the world and want it shipped to you, because it's literally the best coffee on the planet. Um, Ultimate Predator Gear. I am excited about these guys because they have the best decoys on the planet. They mount onto your bow. And I'm about to use this thing because I'm going elk hunting tomorrow in Idaho. And I've already got one attached to my bow. And I just hope I don't get shot by somebody else because these things look so real. It's pretty crazy. Um, Also, uh, and you can find them at ultimatepredatorgear.com. Um, also, Deuce Jim, if you're ever over in Venice Beach. Machete, that's where you go, right? Yeah, man, that's right. And uh, how good is that? You, you know, I've seen you working out there, and yeah, you dude. look like you've lost weight. Yeah, man, the vibe there is dope. It's like there's no pressure to kind of, like, uh, you can just kick it there. There's such a good community at that gym uh-huh. and uh, great fucking coaches, man. It's good shit. And it doesn't matter how old you are, nope. whether you're 8 or 80. Everyone gets intimidated by the whole functional fitness movement stuff with right. CrossFit and whatnot. But they have good teachers out there, good good coaches. And, mm. and yeah, definitely any age and stage, you can walk in. And, and uh, they'll, get, custom, they'll pretty much customize the workout for you, right? Absolutely, man. They have been and have been killing it at the gym lately. Yeah, I can tell, yeah, dude. Your guns shit. are blazing. Yeah, bro. Now, they also work with you on your diets and, yeah. and what you should be eating and what you should not be eating. Yeah, and they they're really just create, all yeah, around. They create a community, man. That's the dopest part is, like, people give a shit about like uh seeing how you're doing if you haven't shown up for a gym like you know the people hit you right. up and say hey man how you doing may stay off sugar blah blah, blah. they kind of give you little tips and, and encouragement it's pretty it's pretty chill that's awesome logan yeah. and Lindsay own that place so if you're ever over in venice beach go check them out they're actually on what lincoln yeah lincoln right by the whole foods in uh, venice gotcha um, you know, one of the other things that they own uh, is Original Nutritionals, and it's something that we promote highly on this podcast because, you know, if you got to take care of your body. You know, it's it's not just going to the gym, but it's also what you put into your body. And, um, you know, from their protein whey shakes to uh, their amino oils, fish oils, do you take those? Oh, yeah. They, they recommend uh, you have to be well 
oiled up when you're uh, when you're definitely working out yeah. for recovery and lube it up those joints. Oh yeah, oh yeah, get it, get that going. Those healthy fats, man, they they really help out, especially if you're getting your workout on. Exactly. So go check these guys out at originalnutritionals.com. Uh, punch in promo code Doze Nose, and uh, you get fifteen percent off with those guys. So um, thanks everyone for tuning in and Machete, thanks for being on this last part with me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks yeah. for coming to the studio. You came to all the way to Los Angeles. <laughs> You're here at the mother, at the mother station here. I know. I'm yeah. excited because yeah, I've never seen so many microphones in my life. <laughs> we got good. it all here. Yeah, man. It's good, brother. Well, uh, thanks everyone for tuning in and until next time, uh, we hope. If you don't know